Welcome to Passion Life Church. So excited to be back with you, and thank you for the privilege of being here. My wife, my daughter, we love being with your pastors. How many are grateful for our pastors? Um, I think your destiny's found in your people. Batman had Robin. Justin Bieber has the Beliebers. Come on, somebody. Beyonce has the Beehive. Even barely, Barry Manilow has the Manilows. But um, I love to be with people who forward you, not just fondle you. I say that because a lot of people want to touch your life, but very few people want to forward your life. And the scripture says if you walk with wise people, you become wiser. Anybody desire to become a little bit wiser this year? Wisdom has benefits. How many know that's true? Shows you what to ignore and who to ignore. I wish I would have learned that at 15. Come on. That would have saved me a lot of problems. But wisdom also, it brings honor to your life. It brings opportunity to your life. And when you walk with wise people, you become wiser. And I don't know about you, but I've noticed in my own journey, joint efforts, they always yield better results. I love to partner people based, not based on my history, but based on my destiny. I like to take inventory. Who am I bringing into my world? Are they parasites? Do they want what's in my hand? Or are they partners that want what's in my heart? Because there's a lot of people in both business and every other kind of living that always want something from us but not want to fuel us and add to us. And at this phase, I don't know about you, we're all working against a clock. We don't know when that clock's up. We want to maximize our moments on earth. Anybody on this planet? Unless you've decided to live, you know, uh, an, an unfinished life. But for me, I want to live a finished life. I don't want it to become dull, boring, beige. I want to sharpen myself. And the Bible says iron sharpens iron. I love to put around myself, around your pastors, around other people that sharpen the way I think, the way that I feel. They deepen my sphere of concern for the things of God and for people that when I get around them, I want to be a better Christian. I want to do the Jesus style on a whole nother level, and I want to love people more than I loved them when I walk in. How many are grateful for our pastors? Their dream really is to see yours come to pass. Hey, you got a, you got a golf clap out of that. That was pretty cool, huh? I say that because most people don't think selectively who they're going to be around, and they become exactly who they're around. You get around people that eat real well, you, you start eating good. It changes your habits. You get around people that are great in business, you want to be more excellent. You get around people that are really good parents, all of a sudden you tighten up your game. Come on. You get around people that pray, you start praying. Come on. It's a, it's a law. You, you get around people, their atmosphere catches on you. You get around a wicked person, you start acting funky. You get around a warrior, you, come on, everything is fear-driven, and you miss great opportunities because you're afraid to venture out. But you get around weak people, you act weak. But you get around a worshiper, you get around a powerful person, man, it changes your life. That was a little nugget right there if you like that. I say that because I'm around people all the time and they, they ask me these questions. I'm in a Fortune 500 company the last couple days and I'll be there again this week speaking for Callaway just down the road, about a $1.8 billion company. And they talk so much, and I'm in, in the, uh, about growing and taking their life to the next level, taking their business, their profits, and it all comes down to one thing, relationship. 
Who they connect themselves with and where they plant themselves determines their level of growth. Because change and growth are never a matter of ability but motivation. Come on, how, anybody in here have any motivation to be a little bit more than you are? Come on, if you made it in the rain on a Sunday, there must be a belief somewhere in your head that life can be a little bit better, that you could be a little bit better, huh? Don't all of us long for a better us, a better life, a better future? Isn't that why all of us here are here today? I always think of it like, you know, in type of a, uh, an animal that has two, two speed. There's one, it's one being, one body, but it has two different capabilities. You have a butterfly and you got a slug. Come on, caterpillar crawls, a butterfly f- flies. A butterfly has to break out of the cocoon if it's ever going to discover its wings, its beauty, and its capabilities. The slug can just live in the cocoon, thank you so much, and it's comfortable there, but he never discovers what he can be. I think that's most people on our planet right now. They would rather put their comfort before their calling. They would rather put their convenience ahead of what God's put on their life to do. They're afraid of the pain of process. They're afraid of the pain of their past. And they're afraid of, if it all comes to pass, will it be as good as they say? So they'd rather sit in the cocoon of obscurity, never take the chance to break out of that cocoon to see what their life can become. Hopefully you're not the kind of person that wants a near-life experience. We always talk about people have a near-death experience, but I know millions of people that are having a near-life experience. Life is doing something with them. They don't talk about where they're going to. They talk about what they're going through. They talk about problems, what they don't like, what they don't like about people, what they don't like about themselves. Their distorted perception of God, themselves, and other people keeps them in a cocoon where it's not working for them other than they know there's a struggle. I would rather the struggle work for you than against you. How many know on this planet, I prophesy, you'll have some challenges this year? You can say I'm an accurate prophet for saying that. How many know, if you got on the 15 or the 215, you're going to have immediate challenges. You will be tempted to throw up all kinds of gang signs and finger signs. Even if you ain't a gang member. Come on, somebody. You will just feel an urge. Come on. And it's usually not a five-fold. Come on, somebody. It's a pointer. Come on, somebody. Anybody with me? You're going to like this today. So there's this guy, and he goes to a fortune teller at a carnival. And he goes in, and he says, hey, I'm going to pay the money. I want you to tell me my future. And so he's all expecting. He's he's hoping to hear all these great things. And she says, well, here's what's going to happen. Between the ages of 21 and 40, you're going to have all kinds of challenges. Life's going to be tough. People that really love you are going to walk away. And it's really going to be challenging. So he goes, well, what's going to happen at 41? Am I going to, all of a sudden, things are going to change? And he goes, she says, no, you're just going to become used to it. (laughs) Isn't that the truth? Don't we become so used to a life that puts us to sleep? But the scripture talks about in Numbers chapter 23, and I've changed my message on the way here because I felt like I'm supposed to deliver something, not just speak a message to you. Is that fair? I ditched my notes that I worked on for many, 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 many hours, probably over 20 hours. And I did that. Why? Because I'm calling an audible because I don't think I'm supposed to speak what I feel, at least that's good. I feel like I'm supposed to go with what God put inside me. 
So I'm going to talk to us, okay? Because everything I talk to you, I'm working on me. Is that fair? So let's go on this for a little bit. So sorry for messing up your plans. But I'm going to go from this is if life's not to be a near-life experience, if you're to do something with it, if this is to be a real strategic and momentous time for you, I don't know about you, when you got momentum and you got energy, life seems fun and happy. But when you don't, life's a drag. Come on, somebody. No matter what you have. When you came out of your mama's womb, you came out with energy and momentum. And then life starts to slow you down. You start to kind of just decline into a place of where we sit in things, we settle for things. We become accustomed to things. But if we're going to break out of the cocoon, we got to get a little get hungrier than we currently are. Jesus said, blessed are those that are hungry, they get filled. Our challenge is we can become sedated and tame by just hearing for education from around us. Things aren't learned in God's kingdom, they're discerned. Learning our education from external things about what we're to do with our life came as a result of man lost his relationship with God at the beginning and he learned to live by his senses rather than his spirit. I'm going to challenge your spirit today because you're living in challenging times and the enemy's not playing fair in case you hadn't been paying attention. Things are coming to steal your peace, your joy, your sanity, your creativity, your dreams. Things are coming at your family. You got suicide coming at people. You got heavy perversion coming at people. And we can't afford to sit back and just hope that things get better. Hope's a great motivator, a horrible strategy. Anybody with me so far? Well, how do I change my world? How do I change my world? Because there's an attack, and it's on one thing, your faith. The one thing the enemy does not care about is the car you drive, the house you live in, your education, and how much you know. The one thing he's out to stop is your faith. Slap the person next to you say, he wants your faith. Someone say, it can't be bought. Come on, somebody. Someone say, it can't be bullied. <laughs> oh, you're going to like this. Come on, let's just flow. There's one thing the enemy is after, and that's your faith. The Bible says, 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. You're in a struggle for faith. The enemy's trying to stop it through doubts, where he gets you to doubt God's goodness to your life. If you never believe God is good, you'll never believe he'll show up for you. We must get in a habit where we believe God is good regardless of somebody else's story. Our faith is in not somebody else's story or a chicken soup for the soul or the secret. Our faith is in the word of God that God is good still all the time. That doesn't mean everything is good, but his goodness will turn it in your favor if you don't quit. David said, surely goodness and mercy are going to chase me down all the days of my life. That comes from a man that struggled with lust, he struggled with anger, he struggled with ego, and he was afraid of himself. But yet, because he kept believing in God's goodness and his love, he was convinced that the love that started his relationship with him was able to finish it, and he was going to finish stronger than when he began. Anybody still believe God's love still enough for you? I don't know. I've been through so much. Let me ask you, what are you doing with the love of God? Are you rejecting it because you see yourself based on a pattern of faults, flaws, failures, and you add yourself up of what you're not? 
So your own perception of yourself disqualifies yourself from God's goodness. Let me, have, let me give you really good news. God made up his mind about you before you ever got here. He already decided to choose you as the object of his love. Stop playing hard to get with love. The basic need every one of us have, whether you're yellow, whether you're pink like myself, whether you're black or whether you're brown, every one of us wants to be unconditionally loved for who we are, not what we can become. God does not love you based on who you can become. He's crazy about who you are. You've always been enough. And let me say this, because there's such a war ever since we're little that you don't measure up. You're not artistic enough. You're not this enough. You're not athletic enough. The enemy's tried to build a case against God that you've never been enough so you always hide from the very love that has the power to give you security and strength. He knows if he can unravel who you are in your mind, he'll beat you in your experience. You'll sabotage every opportunity that he opens the door for you to get. He'll give you a family and he'll sabotage you. You're not a good enough husband. You're not a good enough dad. You're not a good enough woman. You're not a good wife. You did this, did this, you did this over here, you did this over here, and that oppression starts to unravel your perception, your perspective, either your passport or your prison. Woo, come on, y'all. You eat at the field of your perspective. Let me give you a point. A turtle and a giraffe occupy the same land if I go to Africa. But a turtle eats way down here, a giraffe way up there. If they bend their 11-foot neck to go eat at the field of a, of a turtle, the giraffe will lose consciousness and he'll die. He'll pass out and easily become roadkill for a lion or for some other, some other animal. Our challenge is when we lower our perspective. Come on, somebody. To eat at a low percentage. When God calls you the head but you think you're the tail. Somebody help me with this thing. Come on. If I could go a little bit blunt on you, I call it ass mentality. It's NC-17 this morning. Come on. What do you mean by that? King of the Bible, Saul, was chosen to be a king. But when they went to look for him, he was chasing his father's lost donkeys. There's lost asses. That's most people. There's a king and there's royalty in you. Jesus did not shed his innocent blood for junk. He knew the treasure he put in you before man could ever pick it apart. The challenge is when you don't recognize that treasure, you chase what's lost. The only problem is when you focus on what's lost, you feel like you're losing. Woo! Jesus came to recover what is lost. What was lost? You and I to sin, but your righteousness and your power so you could rule stuff that other people couldn't rule. Why did God leave us on this planet? He knows what's going on right now. It wasn't so we could go through the struggle, so we could barely get by, so we could one day... We made it to heaven, and they did. They really have pearly gates and gold streets, and they're going to have it there. By the way, if you got a problem with prosperity, it's probably not the place for you. You're going to have a tough time. You would have to leave your poverty at the door because heaven's got a lot of bling, just saying. In case you didn't think so, read Revelation. It'll trip you out. But there's mindsets that the enemy's tried to work since you were young that you disqualify yourself. So you're always focused that I'm not enough, I'm not enough, because he knows if he could beat you there, that if he could keep you out of the love of God, he knows you don't have hope. You don't have hope, you don't have significance. Hope's what gives you stability. And you need stability to release your ability. That's cliche, but it works. 
that actually is very good. I'm going to put that up on my Instagram later when you follow me. Come on, somebody. Stability releases ability. Thank God for a stable pastor. Stability releases ability. Thank God for a stability in the Word of God. Stability releases ability. Woo. I was at Michael Jackson's funeral. I thought about not just what he did. Everyone just talked about how great he was, and he was the best. He was a master. He would dance four or five hours a night from one in the morning to five in the morning, six in the morning. Everyone else was sleeping. Standing in a mirror, just mastering moves at 50 years of age. But while everybody thought about what he did, I was thinking about what is he going to the grave with because he never felt he was enough. What unused success, what dormant ability, what cap potential did he die with because he never felt he was enough? It was driven by fear, not by faith. What's talking louder in your world than my world? Is your faith talking louder than fear or fear talking louder than faith? If your faith in mine was to stand trial, is there enough evidence right now to convict me? Your faith must stand trial. Come on, somebody. Your Bible says you're saved by faith. Someone say, I'm saved by faith. Say it like you actually believe it. Say, I'm saved by faith. The Bible says we're supposed to live by faith and not by sight or what you feel. Airplanes crash when pilots live by their feelings rather than by their instruments. Their bodies feel it's taking them one way, and they overcompensate, and they flip planes. All because they live by how they feel, not by what the instrument says. Challenge happens when you start not living by what God's word says, but you start living by circumstance. Because then you think your circumstance equals your opportunity, and it doesn't. That is good stuff, bro. What do you mean by that? Your circumstance never determines your opportunity. In fact, over Fortune 500, I would say 50, 60% of the Fortune 500 companies all started in a time of economic recession and downturn. Because the big gets small, but the small have a chance to get big. People that are willing to bet on themselves and use their faith in challenging times, they're the ones that make their greater stride because they're willing to invest, they're willing to sow, they're willing to work a little bit harder, they're willing to love a little bit more, they're willing to put their customers above their own needs, they're more love to fall in love with their client rather than their service or product, and they're willing to do what other people do not do. When things get tight and struggle, most people clam up because they don't see themselves as an abundant person. They see themselves as, I don't know if I'll have enough because I'm not enough. You feel me on this? Have I just seen this in my own world or am I talking to you too? Anybody else seen this in their own world? You got everybody pick you apart. I hated it as a kid when people go, your face is red. What happened? Why you laugh? You're like, I don't know if I should laugh at him or not, but it's funny. My mom was a kid. I came home with a pimple on my face, and it was right after I made out with Wendy Lopez for the first time. I think it was the way the lo- my mom was like, see, the Lord's getting you. Come on. <laughs> you sowed it. You reaped it. Here is pimple. And I tried to execute it. I tried to do everything, but my mother was like one of those like worry warts. Anybody don't confess that you are that, but whatever. It was at that time. She goes, oh my gosh, Rexford, we have to go to the dermatologist. I'm like, mom, it's a pimple. This isn't like an acne cyst over my head. She goes, no, 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 this is serious. So they went and they gave me this cream called Retin-A. They didn't tell me it was going to bleach my face red. Nobody at 13 years old that has a girlfriend and finally made out for the first time wants to bleach their face red. 
But all of a sudden, I went from the pale white kid to like the bright pink, or today it's salmon, whatever you want to say, just depending on your vernacular, vocabulary. And all of a sudden, people go, hey, Ray, Rex, why you red? Rex, why you red? I hate it. They called me that. I tried putting makeup on it. I tried putting my, my grandma's Maybelline. Come on. I was putting toothpaste on my face at night. I was putting avocado. Come on, somebody. I was putting every kind of dye. And it wouldn't go away. Yeah, you laughed. That was my pain. But I found that when that happened, I shied away. I only felt good when I was performing. I never felt good when I was just me. I know a lot of people have Jesus inside them, and they're not at peace with themselves. They struggle with themselves. They fight themselves because in their mind, they don't measure up. Comparison is a cancer to your courage. It eats away at it. It gnaws at it. It tries to destroy it. your kryptonite. That eats away at your creativity, your ability to forge a different life, to be compassionate where you feel alive. Am I talking to the right people this morning? I sat there, and one time I had a meeting with a mirror. I looked in the mirror, and I had to be able to say, but it was in God, you are enough just as you are. Because if you never come to terms with where you are, that God loves you where you are, you'll always think, when I get here, then I'm going to be enough. When I be here, he's going to love me more. When I get here, he's going to favor me more. When I get to this level, we are talking about next level, next level. The Christian people, next level, next devil. What do you mean? I don't want to go to the next level if there's new devils. Somebody who wants more demons against them. But if I'm motivated by the idea that God's love is enough right where I am and I'm blessed to be me, then I don't got to do you. I can do me. We got too many people doing somebody else. You need to do you. Slap the person next to you. Say, do you. Come on, do you. Particularly in T.D. Jakes' church. I know I'm a red version, but say, do you. Come on, somebody. Do you. The Bible says do your creative best with the life you have. But to do it, we got to do it by faith. Someone say by faith. Someone say by faith. Faith is the force that changes your world. Think about this for a minute. Hebrews chapter 11, 32 to 34 says this. Time would fail to tell of Gideon, of Barak, of Samson, of David, of Jephthah, and the prophets who through faith, someone say through faith, they conquered kingdoms. They worked what was just and right. They obtained what was promised over their life. And their weaknesses were turned to strength. Woo, that tells me something. Here's all these people that God took on, and they had a lot of weaknesses. They were being conquered. Come on, somebody. They started in a small place, a bad place, a bad background, a bad educational system, a lack of knowledge. But it didn't say their education made them great. It said God made them great. God enabled them. But the vehicle that changed it was their faith. Someone say their faith. Someone say their faith. Faith is not just showing up every once in a while being faithful. There's blessings in it because a faithful person, Proverbs says, abounds with blessing. Being consistent. Come on. You ought to be consistent and diligent. How many people believe that's true? Talking to a Fortune 5 president this week, he says, I always look for people that will show up and be constantly early and work hard. They don't show up too late to meetings unless there's an emergency. They're always looking for different ways to be consistent. I don't want to see someone that's flashy. I want to be someone that shows up and has an excellent spirit. I'm talking to anybody that's got an excellent spirit. 
By the way, let me say this. Your work is your witness. If you want a platform, give them a performance. Come on, somebody. No one's going to listen to what you say till they see how you live. You're the walking billboard to whether it attracts or detracts from people. If people want what you got, if they want to hear what you really are about, they're going to look first to see what you do. Do you model something that I want in my life? If you're an owner, you're in business, and you want to change your environment, you want to change your family, you got to what? If you're a family man, you got to influence your kids and your family. Ma'am, a woman, your wife, I get to influence my family. If you want to change things in your business, you got to model something different. You can't just pray, oh God, change it. No, no, no. Someone's going to take responsibility, be the change they want to see. You have to shake your own salt. Come on, somebody. God's not going to shake your salt. He said you are salt, you are light, but somebody's got to stir themselves up and shake a little bit of salt. How many know the salt just don't come out when you tip it over? It's got to be shook a little bit. Sometimes you got to shake yourself and say, I'm going in here today. God's behind me. God's before me. That in inside of me, I'm going to shake some stuff up. You ain't going to do it by fighting the wrong enemy, somebody else. You're going to do it by fighting for something rather than against someone. And rather finding the 99% of what you don't agree on, fight the 1% you agree on and throw 100% into that. Because when you do that, they'll find that you're with them and you care about them rather than you're out to beat them. Am I helping anybody so far? Talking about faith, watch. Jesus said this, and this is the words that played in my mind since about 5 this morning. All things are possible with God, Matthew 19, 26. Luke 1.37, nothing is impossible with God. Everyone likes that scripture, huh? He told that to the Virgin Mary. By the way, she's still headlining the Catholic Church. She's doing great. <laughs> nothing was impossible. Come on, somebody. Smile. Even if you got five teeth, try it. It'd be good for your soul. Watch. But Mark 9.23, Jesus comes down from a mountain He's with Peter, James, and John. He's got the cusser and the crybaby. Come on, somebody. And he's got James. It's all analytical. Jesus is coming down. He sees all his disciples, his, his people, his business owner, his associates. And he sees all these people around. He goes, what's all the commotion? He goes, well, somebody brought us a kid. He's deaf. He's dumb. He says, you know, the spirit happens to him, and he gets tormented. He tries to kill him. We couldn't do anything. We're powerless. So he's confronted by a deaf and dumb spirit. I think this is somewhere seeped into our faith. We become deaf where we tune out God's voice and we tune into everybody else's voice and it makes us deaf to God's voice. We know Instagram. Come on, somebody. We know Facebook stories. I know Oprah Winfrey more than I know the Word of God. I'm in trouble because the Bible says it's the Word of God that's a lamp under your feet and a light under your path. The Bible says it's the Word of God that delivers you from destructions. It's the Word of God that pushes you into a life of miracles. I don't know about you. I don't want wisdom and turn a deaf ear to God. Who's got your ear? CNN? You're screwed. Fox News, you're screwed too. Because they would love you to join a political war, but you're not on a political war. You belong to a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. Stop playing by their rules. You're a citizen of heaven, not of the planet. Come on, I'm talking for a minute. Coming after some. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, Jesus. All things are possible. But, but you got a deaf and a dumb spirit. A dumb, you don't speak, you don't stand for anything. You never speak about who you're going to be, what you're going to be about. So you let other people in the environment decide for you what life's going to look like. 
what happens when, when you're in a state, when you're in your state of letting other people choose for you, you lose your voice. The enemy's always wanted to gag you. He's always wanted to stop your voice. That's why, by the way, if I just be really frank and honest right now, you're seeing such a mass push to destroy lives unborn inside of people because the enemy's trying to work another genocide to stop a voice of a generation because everything God made is good. Not every circumstance by which something is born is good, but God will bring good out of it. They're his idea. Let's just go for it. Come on. Really? Yeah, I'll be speaking for Tony Robbins in a couple weeks. I got, I'm going to be at a Fortune 5 company. I can't talk this way, but I want to come after God's people because you got the power. We, the, the world should not be the power of people. We're the power of people. You're connected. Power belongs to God. But Ephesians 1.19 says it only works if you believe and use your faith. Not if just believe. I'm going to be passively. Just, just believe. No, no, no. It means aggressive. Jesus said all things are possible if you can believe. The most spiritual activity you could do today is make a decision. That's deeper than singing, I love, I love, I love your presence. That's deeper than you praying. That's deeper than you giving. Because the thing that precedes all of it is you got to make a decision. God said the most spiritual thing I can give to somebody is their ability to choose. And I refuse to manipulate that. Faith begins with a choice, not a feeling. Come on, somebody. Jesus said all things are possible. Do you need any change or shift in your life? Does anybody need a breakthrough in their life right now? Anybody. I know maybe, maybe you all got it together. You're just waiting to be translated. I don't. And if you got it all together, your neighbor doesn't, and you're responsible for them. Because God's not just going to ask you what you did on your own turf. He's going to ask you what you did for somebody else. Because faith is not singular, it's plural. I'll bless you to be a blessing. I'll heal you to heal other people. I'll come for you to come for somebody else. I'll strengthen you to strengthen somebody else. I'll empower you to empower somebody else. He never thinks singular. He thinks plural. If your vision's all about you, you miss God. That's the enemy's goal, the spirit of I. It's me, 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 I, 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 I. Love me, love me. What do I have to do? Do I have to show you another nipple to love me? Do I have to do a porn flick for you to love me? What extravagance do I have to do something physical to be enough? Don't tell me our culture ain't there. A wise voice would know the times you're in and speak to it rather than avoid it. Fear makes you run from it. Faith will make you run at it. Let's confront the issue, not the people. God loves the people. He hates the issue. Let's remove the issue from the person. Let's speak to the identity and the love of the person. You change the identity, you change the issue. Why? Because behavior is a result of the way we believe. If you believe you're not enough, you'll, 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 you'll regress. If you believe you're fat, doesn't matter how many diets you go on, you get back the weight. If you believe you're unlovable, every time somebody tries to show you love, you reject them and find a reason why they have an alternative motive rather than accepting and receiving their love. Come on. You receive what you believe, your faith. Watch how powerful. Faith has an aim. Someone say an aim. An aim. The aim is the word of God, the promise of God. Not to live by your senses, but the promise of God. Let me ask you. If I was to have a conversation with you, we really to dial in one-on-one for a minute. Is there enough promise coming out of you, or are you just talking about what you're going through? 
Is there a promise for you and your kids? Do you have anything up in your home that would remind me that you have a future, or is it just pictures of your past? Would I enter your memories museum and see your then, or would I see your future? What do you talk more about, where you've been or where you're going? What do you talk about, more what you're creating or more of the conflict? Your life's not designed to be about conflict. It's about to be creation. Ooh, come on, somebody. Feel me in this. I feel like I'm speaking to people for a minute. Because when I felt in my heart today, as I said, I felt there's all these people that have all this dormant ability that I want to unleash and unlock in them. But it's been tied up. That's the way I felt. That's why I came in here. My message is good. Spoke it the other day, went crazy, the one I was going to speak. But I know what I'm supposed to say. It's like the elephant. You come out and they, the circus and they do this. They breed them. And what they would do is they tie like a rope around its leg. They put it to a stake, put it in the ground. That little baby elephant, it's only a couple hundred pounds, learns it can't go farther than the rope. As far as I can go, they'll keep it there to break the elephant in its mentality and its mind. Because every attack against your face starts in your mind. Anybody's mind been under a war? You're going to die. You're not going to make it. Your future's not going to be as good as your past. They're not going to love you enough. It's not going to be good enough. Why do you even go to church? Why do you even go to work? Look at the way they treat you. You're not getting the money that you deserve. Look at you're not this and that. They don't even respect you. They don't love you. You've never been. A, why don't you just end it? Life doesn't even make sense for you. You're always going to be sick. You're always going to be broke. You're never going to own a house. It's always going to feel this way. You're never going to break that addiction. You're never going to get out that cycle of those anti-anxiety medications. This is the way it's always going to be. See, God doesn't come through for you. Am I just exposing the narrative that's going on in your head? Or am I the only other one that feels that I have to stand up here as a minister and say, act like I got it all together and say, no, brother, I don't have that. Am I talking real? Better believe it. How do I know when I'm with Tina Turner's family in a little bit, the same thing's going on? If I was talking to Tom Cruise, same thing's going on. People are under a battle in their mind because they become conditioned. I can only go this far. The challenge is you have and I have the nature of God in us, and our mindsets are stuck. We can only go this far so we don't use our faith anymore. It becomes our new normal. Now they take the rope off, and the elephant runs in circles. They could put a shoestring around the elephant's hoof. It's 5,000 pounds. Could easily pull that thing out and take off running and break down the whole entire circus tent. But it will not do it because it's been conditioned. This is far as you could go. Whose voice, whether it was a teacher or as a parent, somebody else saying, you know what, you won't have the same opportunities. You come from another country. You're too white enough. You're too black enough. You're too Asian enough. You're too Hispanic enough. Come on, somebody. You don't got enough education. You don't got this. You don't got that. You failed here. You failed there. Why even? You ain't going to work. And now he's got you running in circles. You ain't doing you no more. Come on, somebody. You're actually doing them. There's voices renting space in the real estate of your head. Whose voice is directing you? Faith has an aim. It goes back to what God said. What God said, I'm going to challenge every single one of you. I start reading the Bible out loud. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't come by reading inspirational stories from Jack Canfield in Chicken Soup for the Soul. Faith doesn't come from watching The Secret. I'm going to believe all this abundance is going to come to me from an impersonal universe. It's just going to arrive because I believe. That's what you call freaking insanity. 
Why not believe, though, from a personal God that cannot lie? He's not a man that he lies. Forever his word is settled in heaven. He's alert. He's active. He's watching over his word. He will perform his word. Some of you feel like you've been in a desert for a long time. He's still going to perform his word. God spoke about what Jesus would do for 30 years. I'm sure Jesus was like, it's today the day when he was 19, and people thought he was weird because he ain't married. He's living at home with his mama. Come on, somebody. He's at 29 and he's home with his mama with no TV. You know, come on somebody, and Mary had a little bit of issues. You know people are doubting it, but he said the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by their faith. Come on, watch. It has an aim, but then it has an attitude. Faith says it's going to be, it's going to, this is the way it's going to be. Some of you, you're going to get a little bit radical, and you're going to go, you know, you go home and go, this is the way it's going to be. It's for me and my house. This is going to be about love and appreciation, not about conflict anymore. As much as depends on me, it's going to be about peace. You know, this is the way it's going to be about my financial life. God takes pleasure in the prosperity of my life. The Bible says that God gives me the power to create abundance. God says he came to give me an abundant life, that if I give, it will give a measure unto me, multiply it, he'll increase it. So you know what, as for me, I'm going to increase from here on out. Someone else is going to say, I know what, I've been done wrong, but I'm not going to be a victim anymore. Because as long as you hold on to the hurt, God can't deal with them. You're tied and hooked to them. So the pain that they driven them to hurt you is now tied and hooked to you. Someone's going to forgive somebody that did, them, did you wrong and release the resentment rather than what my friend Larry Lee created, Tim's story, and I use it. You nurse it, hearse it, and curse it and rehearse it. You're going to disperse it so God can reverse it. You're going to say, it's for me, I'm going to really love. You're going to have an attitude. I'm not going to be unhealthy anymore. I'm going to think right thoughts. I'm going to think on things that are true, lovely, pure. I'm going to start saying to myself every day, God loves me. God is for me. Came across a woman by the name of Janetta McSwain. Her story in the middle of Atlanta. But she started in Alabama, five years old. She lived in a house with three uncles, her and her sister Sonia. And they were physically, sexually, and emotionally they were tortured all the time by these three uncles. When the mom learned of it, she said, we got to get out of here. We went to another apartment, and her boyfriends that she brought in finally did the same thing. At 15 years of age, both sisters left the house. They started living on the streets. Sonia turned to crack cocaine, the older one. But uh, Janetta said, I'm not going to do that. But she lived on the streets in and out. She had a child when she was 18, not married, had another one at 21. She's living on government assistance, struggling through life. And then one day, her 30th birthday, she looked in the mirror, and she went to go look up to brush her teeth. And when she did, she looked up, and she started bawling her eyeballs out. She goes, I realized I have nothing to celebrate in my life. I have no husband. I have no family. I have nobody that loves me, no one that cares about me. I have no job. I have no future. I have nothing. And she said, you know what? It made me angry on the inside. Don't discount your angry. Usually what you hate, you're called the correct. If you get a little bit angry at a situation, don't channel it at a person. Channel it at a situation. It just angered Jesus that the devil had people's lives through sickness and oppression. So it moved him to radically act against it. Sometimes the greatest movements are launched out of a place of being angry at a situation. When you get a little bit angrier than you are at overeating or smoking or an addiction or at being fearful or being oppressed and tormented, you do something about it. Until then, you tolerate it. You tolerate it. We all get what we tolerate. You can have, if you can tolerate an unhappy life, you'll have one. God won't fix it. If you can tolerate being oppressed, you're going to be oppressed. If you can tolerate living in torment and fear, you'll have it. 
If you can tolerate being isolated even though you don't have to be and being all alone, you'll get it. If you can tolerate that I don't need to have somebody in my life to love me because I'm a self-made person, I got it all together, you'll be alone. You complain about what you permit. Only when you get radical, things change. Because the Bible says God's able to do more than what we ask, think, or imagine. But it's according to the power that works in you. There's a power working in you, but i got to work the power. Come on, that takes faith. It's faith that brings your hope of a life that you can have alive. She did something. She goes, you know what? This is the one thing I can do. I'm going to go back and get my GED. She signed up to take a test. She took a 12-week course to get her GED. you got to get a 45 to pass. She got a 44.5. Failed. In her mind, immediately, she said, I felt all these thoughts come in. See, you knew you were going to fail. You knew that you didn't matter. But she scheduled herself immediately right there, did not let her feelings cancel out of her faith. She said, I'm going to sign right back up and sign it again and do it again. That time she graduated and had her, had her big thing. Her, she had a big celebration with other people who graduated and got her, or got her GED. She got a chance to speak. None of her family showed up. No one supported her, nothing. She said, you know what? My attitude got me here. But I realized if I want to get further than on, I'm going to have to change locations. She's like, I have to move. It's going to cost me, but it's worth it. There's a cost to your destiny. There's a price tag. Come on, somebody. Someone ought to pay attention. There's a price if you want anything. You want your calling, you're going to have to forsake a little bit of your comfort. Most people aren't willing to pay the price. They want comfort and convenience rather than courage and character. They settle for it. People got million-dollar dreams, but they got dollar store budgets. That was really good. Why? Because you start letting blind people to read, proofread your vision. Let me say that again. You let blind people proofread your vision. Maybe God didn't allow them to see who you could become and who you could be because they try to tear you back down. They only see who they are in their own mind. If people talk down on you, it's because that's the way they perceive themselves. Stay out of the way of people who are going to tag you and try to put cramps and limits on you. Why? Because you come around the voices that talk destiny, you amazing what happens. I don't want to be around people that are talking. If we're talking about changing something, let's change something. But if you want to talk about therapy, I'm your wrong guy. Because a therapy keeps you trapped in your past. Running around in circles. Come on. Nursing it and reruns. Reruns, reruns, reruns. Leaves your life in syndication. Which might mean it means an indication you need to have something different. Get out of the history channel into the discovery channel. Come on, somebody. Can you handle a couple more minutes? I'm going to pray for people. Cool? Have to have an attitude. She goes, I'm going to move. She moved to Alabama. She enrolled herself at Janessa. She said, every time, uh, State, every time I enrolled, I felt, what if I didn't measure? I'm not street smart, but not book smart. How am I going to do this? She said the very first day she went into the, the, the bookstore and she put on a cap and gown and she would go in there often to remind her of the person she could become because you never become what you don't see. And if you don't see value, you don't add value. This is a reason why we need to be planted in the house of God. Because this word is like a mirror. It will show who Jesus is on the inside of you. Not who you are all by yourself, but who Jesus is on the inside of you. This isn't a law. This isn't a religion like Judaism where it shows all the things that you're not and all the things you have to do. It will show you who Christ is inside you. And the more that you see who God is inside you, you'll want to add greater value to yourself. Things will just start falling off your life. You'll see stuff just, things just, just ditching you. Things letting go. 
go. You just start moving stuff away because the value now of who you are, you've stumbled upon that treasure that's buried in your field. You know your worth and you stop giving people discounts. Man, this is good. This is good. I'm having fun. How much time I got left, Doc? How much time? Where am I at my time? Okay, all right. No, we're going to bust out of here. We're going to bust out of here. I know not everybody wants to. Some of you want to go back to being regular. This is for those of you that are sick and tired of being whatever. It's tired no matter where you are in your life. This can be the greatest moment. It only takes a moment of faith. Now, where fear will paralyze you and sterilize you and polarize you. Tame you and domesticate you. Make you act purr like a little kitty cat, like a pussy cat rather than a freaking lion. Well, grandma most people purr. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me how good of a man that's going to be when you're married to him. Come on, women are like, yeah. Well, what about you, woman? Come on, somebody. What man wants to be purr, purr. I just I'm so delicate. I don't know what to do with myself. So now you need someone to medicate you and keep you propped up and happy all the time. Now he's become a fixer rather than a husband. You don't like truth. I'm a truth teller. Come on, somebody. How do you know? Because I know what it's like to try to fix everything. That's not what this is for. This is about creation. What are we building together? What are we erecting together? What are we going to love together? What are we going to create together? Who are we going to change together? Who are we going to heal together? Who are we going to love together? It's a much better story. Oh, purr, purr. I come to church, purr. Where's a freaking roar? Joel the prophet said, wake up the mighty men and women. Numbers, it talks about Moses said, God says, my people are a lion, they're in the grass, waiting to emerge. Something happens when a lion emerges. The whole jungle becomes electric when the lion emerges. You want the atmosphere of your life? The enemies of every lion, every animal, when they're laying down, they don't care. But something happens when that lion emerges. All their enemies start getting nervous and backing up. Many of you still have your enemies around because you're lying down waiting for someone to medicate you and heal you rather than you to get up and bless yourself. The Bible says, I'll bless myself. As for me, I'm going to bless myself. Well, you know, there's the Trump guy. There's the Barack Obama guy. There's the Kardashians. Then I don't even know what Kanye West is doing in his Christian services. It's very confusing. Then they got the sex strike going on because the Cortez lady can't make up her mind if she's a bartender or over this, over there. It's got me really confused about what's going on. Then Alyssa Milano said we should all have abortions because it would be wonderful. And then all of a sudden, then they're going to do this, they're going to do that. They want to tell me how to think and they want to brainwash me and create a mind virus inside of me. All I know how to do is purr. (laughs) I don't want to disrupt anything. So what you're saying is you just want to be taken by your culture. You want to be taken by the winds of the knowledge of your culture. You want to let their brain outwork yours? You want to let their wisdom, a demonic wisdom that's focused on their self, that has no reverence of God in their life, and they call evil good, dictate your decisions? 
I don't know about you. We need to get back to this idea that we live in the light of eternity. I believe in living in the moment, fully in the moment, but only in the light of eternity. Because what you do here will last forever. That ain't a joke. David said, help me to know the expanse of my days so I live wisely. I don't know about you. There's, no in, there's nothing insignificant if you live in the light of eternity. Whether you work at Del Taco or Starbucks or you run a Fortune 5 company or you're a dad at home or a mom at home or whether you're sitting here and you're just going through, there's nothing you do that's insignificant. Who you believe here determines where you go in eternity, but what you do here determines what you do in eternity. There's nothing insignificant. There's some rewards you won't reap till you get there. I don't know about you. I want to honor him because he gave everything for me. I want to live a life that honors what he did. He shed a lot of blood for me. He had his skin ripped off his body, naked and ashamed, so I could be lifted up and have value and dignity back in who I am, not in what I do. He did that for me. How dare I just do a little bit? Like Bono from U2 said on the stage the other night, he says, God, you've given so much to me. What can I give back to you? God doesn't take pleasure in silver and gold or all this offering. He wants a, a heart that says, yes. He can't make you willing. He can make you able, but he can't make you willing. Only you can decide to be willing. If you want to eat the good of the land, you've got to be willing at some point. Come out from among them and be separate. Not a religious knucklehead. We've got enough too many of them on TV. Come on, somebody. They want more that's in your pocket rather than what's in your heart. Where, 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 where's the people that are going to look and raise a standard? Hopefully they're here. Hopefully they're you and me. Hopefully we're going to give our kids a, a banner say, come on, kids, jump on our backs. We still serve a God of miracles. He parted the Red Sea, turned water into wine for drunk people. He poured out his spirit 2,000 years ago, but he's alive today. Jump on my back. Let me show you what he's like. He's loving. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. He's willing to take you beyond what you can do yourself. He'll meet every need according to his riches and glory. He's a big God. You're going to have no, come on, mini-me version of God. Culture, well, let's take all the scriptures. Let's take all everything out of culture. No, no, our nation was built on this word. 41 of the 45 people who signed the Declaration of Independence were ministers of this word. Go back to our roots. It wasn't based on anything other than people believing that God is good. Watch. Has an attitude. She not only would go look at her, Janetta would go look at herself in the mirror. She'd come back and she would go study with all the smart kids. That's why it's good to be around other people. Because other people know things you don't. Don't let that intimidate, let, let that be exciting to you. Therefore, you know what? And if somebody else gets blessed, rejoice with them. Somebody else gets a healing, rejoice with them. Come on. Why? Because God watches how you rejoice for somebody else's promotion. How you watch. He'll watch. Usually that happens before you get your big thing. You'll watch somebody else get promoted. I helped somebody tremendously. My wife would tell you, I helped somebody that came out of a hell hole. And we would pay their bills. We took care of them to keep their lights on with their family. We gave them places to speak. And they hurt my net reputation by connecting them to people. And all I was doing was trying to forward them. Their life got elevated. They started speaking at all these places, all these things. They forgot about us. That wasn't an amen moment, but yo, whatever. It sucked. 
True talk. It sucks when you pour into somebody else and you see them not ever return to give thanks. That sucks. Anybody ever felt that? Why did they get blessed? You don't even know what they did, God. They're knuckleheads. <laughs> Louis is a, you know what I mean? That person's a. <laughs> but then God says, I'm going to watch and see what you do when somebody else gets blessed. What's your attitude like when somebody else gets what you want? Are you going to rejoice with those that rejoice and weep with those that weep? Or are you going to have an entitlement that you deserve it here and deserve it now and you decide how God gives it to you? God said you will get it, but you don't need to decide the time and when it's going to arrive. It's your job to rejoice with those that are going to rejoice, to keep doing you. Come on, somebody. Keep using your faith. She studied with the smart kids. She went on and got her doctorate degree now in social services. Now she's helping cities, changing her life, all because she got an attitude. This is the way it's going to be. So faith has a name and attitude, but finally has an action. It has an aggressive action. What do you do? Faith gives aggressively. Don't let poverty talk you out. The only influence you have over your future is your seed. A generous person's blessed. Some of you believe that. Some of you don't like that because then we talk about money and you get nervous. If money was to talk to you and me, what would it say? I get so sad of watching what people do with me. They think I'm God, but I'm not. They hoard me. They fight over me. Over 70% of all the divorces are because of me. They think that having more of me is going to make me more happy. They watch me how they spin me. They don't use me right. But if they understood my value and my worth, they would invest with me. They would give. They would contribute. I can be a blessing or a curse depending upon whose hand that I am. Stop treating me like I'm God, but use me as the resource that I can be. Because if you have a heart from the one that created me, you can use me rather me use you. Woo. Come on. Someone's going to start living to give. Live to give. Come on, just nudge the person next to you, live to give. I'm not just talking about money, I'm talking about other things. Be generous. Psalm, Isaiah 32, 8 says, by nobility, it means a noble birth is someone that's constantly giving. It's the standard they live by. They're looking to give. They're living to give. They're living to give. Coming aggressive in their giving. They get aggressive in their loving. Come on. They're releasing people. They're forgiving people. Love somebody through an addiction. Not point them out. Not just sit there and ridicule them. Love them through an addiction. That means you got to still speak the truth. But let's love people through things. Let's not judge people. If we judge them, we can't influence them. Watch. Let's speak aggressively. What are you talking about? The Bible says if you speak, speak the oracles of God. 95% of the way that you feel is the result of what you speak verbally and non-verbally every day. No wonder Proverbs 15, 23 says, a man has joy. Anybody like joy? By the way, if you have joy, your productivity goes up 58%. That's according to Stanford Neurological School. Watch how wild this is. Man has joy by the answers of his mouth. Oh, he didn't say according to your boss. He didn't say according to your bank statement. Come on, somebody. He didn't say according to the 210 freeway or the 57 or the 215. Come on. He didn't say you have joy according to Uncle Ralph. He says you have joy by the answer of your own mouth. Listen to most people the way they talk about their life. What I'm not, what I didn't, what I can't, what I'm not, what I don't have. What if you got aggressive? Ezekiel started speaking God's word. What was disconnected became reconnected. The daughters of Zahalafahad, nobody even knows who they are. 
They're in Numbers 27. The inheritance always went to the men, to the boys, never to girls. But these girls were like the first women's rights, not Me Too movement, but women's rights. And they said, you know what? Hey, we don't have any brothers, but our father's name, we don't want it to perish. So we want you to give us the inheritance. And God says, they speak what's right. Give them what they have. Women, don't underestimate the power you have in your mouth. Men, don't underestimate. Your kids will rise to the level of your confession. Your faith will never go higher than what you confess it will do. Somebody's got to speak aggressively about what they're going to do. Philemon 1.6 says, your faith becomes effective. Anybody want effective faith? Anybody want to flex rather than flinch? Come on, somebody. It felt good. Even if it didn't look good, it felt good. I got more laughs out of that part. That was good. Your faith becomes effective when you acknowledge every good thing in you, not wrong thing in you. Who, what could you acknowledge good? What about praying aggressively? Elijah was a man with a nature like yours. He fought depression, anxiety, but it says his prayer stopped the rain and it gave the rain. He said he was a man just like you, but he prayed fervently out of his heart and things changed. I'm going to end with this story because I think it'll be helpful. Anybody know of the guy named Joel Osteen? The happiest guy alive? <laughs> I've met him. He's really happy. That was just water. Don't worry. He, he's really happy. Hi, Rex. Praise God. Today's going to be a good day. His wife's the one that's the strong one. But he, anyways, his dad, John, started a church and John had been divorced, and John, they told him, don't start a church in Houston. All these preachers were bad ripping him and stuff, but it was a purpose in his heart. He felt really rejected, and he started to build, and just when he started to build, he said one night he had this dream, and in this dream, he says the devil showed up, and he started walking toward him, and he got really, really nervous. As, in, as the enemy kept coming, he started taking steps back, going like this. And Jesus showed up in the vision of the dream. And he, he was like, yes, Jesus. Sick him, Jesus, sick him. He was like a country boy. And Jesus started taking steps back. John was perplexed as to why Jesus would take steps back. And he goes, Jesus, get him. And the devil kept saying, I'm going to kill your family. I'm going to destroy your health. I'm going to annihilate your children. I'm going to destroy your ministry. It was a mistake. Remorse, it's a, a buyer's remorse that you decided to, to serve God. I'm going to destroy everything about you. And Jesus kept taking steps back. Jesus, why don't you get him? Sick him. Keep taking stuff. I'm going to make you broke. I'm going to destroy your mind. I'm going to torment your soul. God doesn't love you, and Jesus is right there. He doesn't care about you, and Jesus is saying nothing. Jesus, get him! Jesus goes, no. He takes one step, and he steps into John's body. He says, now you get him in my name. He says, the moment that I took a step forward in his name, because he lives inside you. Come on, somebody. He said, and I said, in the name, in the name of Jesus, in the name, not of Muhammad, not in the name of Confucius, not in the name of John Smith or Paul Smith or any other Smith, in the name of Jesus. There's one man that split time, B.C. and A.D. One man split this planet with three years of operating business on this planet. His name is Jesus. He's Alpha. He's Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. Come on, somebody. He is the bright morning sun, and he's a finisher of your faith. In Jesus' name, get off.
And immediately the devil cowered like a wuss. Some of you are going to become aggressive again. I know they don't teach this too often in spiritual. Well, we just got to hope and pray. Jesus said he's coming back for an unblemished church that's ruling over the works of the enemy. Yet you oppress the things that oppress you. You torment the things that torment you. You rule over your enemies. That means you got to get a little aggressive. I coached some of the guys in, in the MMA. I was just talking to Chet Congo two days ago. On his birthday, these guys can't sit there in a cage and just go, oh, don't touch me. Just don't touch me. Don't touch me. No, no, no. You're paid to fight. If you're going to win, you got to fight. Someone's going to armor up again. Come on, somebody. You're going to get a little guts back inside you, but you're not going to fight somebody. You're going to push back the darkness. I'm going to love aggressively. I'm going to turn on light. I'm going to say in Jesus' name, devil, you're not taking my kids. You ain't going to have their minds. You don't got their destiny. You can't have my wife. You can't have my husband. You can't have my marriage bed. You can't have my body with your diseases. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil, and you got to go. Get the hell out of my home. Get the hell out of my head. You I, eviction notice. The blood. God is against you. Get out of here. Get off me. Well, I don't want to be like that. That's for the real emotional preachers. No, I don't know about you. In the middle of the night, you ever get a bunch of blankets on you and you got to kick off that heaviness because you can't breathe at night? Sometimes you got to get that way with the devil. Get off my kids. Cancer, get off my body. Man, you ain't going to destroy the rest of my... No, no, this ain't hereditary anymore. Get the hell out of here. It ain't in heaven. Let it not be on earth. As for me in my house, I know that's not for everybody. Some of you, well, I'm going to tolerate the works of the enemy. But the Bible says first submit to God because you can't resist the devil that you love to play with. You can't cast out demons you enjoy toying with. Oh, you know the ones that, oh, I'll just pet you. Come on, somebody. Let's keep you around. Come on, I like that lust. Come on, somebody. Oh, I like that greed because then I don't got to give. Come on, somebody. Oh, I like that fear. To the point of, you know what, this is destroying your life, and if you keep holding on to it, how, what's it going to cost you? This is your one shot. This is your one life. It's precious. It means something. There ain't nobody like you. You weren't manufactured on some assembly line somewhere. The greatest mind in the universe wanted you. He wanted you. He pursued you. My wife says it best. Jesus is the only God that pursues man. Every other God on the planet that you can study and try to learn about will all say you need to pursue me, not Jesus. He runs to you. How many ready just to raise the bar a little bit? How many ready? Come on, you get what you tolerate. How many as a man, as a woman? Come on. It's a young person. You say, okay, it's for me. No, no, no. God's going to live big in me. Come on. Remember kids? Remember going Halloween? They gave you those little orange pumpkins? Those one that you put your hand in that cuts you because they're so sharp? <laughs> and it sucked if you got like a big candy bar. You're like, you can't even get your hand out. Anybody remember those little ones? The little pumpkins? The little hole? And then you wanted to like, man, I wanted all the big candies. But then you had to do something. We as kids, we got smart. Me, Danielle Warner, and Matt Hartman. And Fernando Hernandez, we went and we cut out pillowcases. Come on. We ditched those little, little orange things because what we wanted couldn't fit in that container. We went and got them and went to the rich kids' neighborhoods. Come on, somebody. Because we wanted the big candy bars. We felt like they were going to give us lots of money. They didn't, but we thought so in our heads. But I'm so nervous about the process. I'd be more concerned about staying where you are. 
become roadkill. Let me tell you something. When you get aggressive in your life, things change. We can give you all the strategies in the world, such as don't run east looking for a sunset. That was deep if you caught that right there. We can give you recipes for losing weight. I can give you recipes for how to build a family. I can do all that. I've done that here before, and I could do that many times over. I like doing that. I give you recipes for making money. But none of it works if you're tame. Because you'll slip back into a level of comfort, or I'll wait to see if you think it's deemable that I stay at this level. If I fit in and everyone talks well of you, you've done something wrong with your life. Jesus said, be careful if everyone talks well of you. The words of the one that split time that rose from the dead leaves us with this idea. All things are possible to him. I don't know who him is. That's, and it, that, that's not female or male. To the person who chooses to believe. Sometimes it's good to give yourself a test of your faith. The Bible says examine yourself. Give yourself a test. See if there's enough evidence there and then do something about it, the message translation says. 2 Corinthians 13, 5. I don't know about you. I want there to be so much faith that if I was arrested for it, they convict me. I had a vision that will probably happen at one day in my future. I was in a, and I, and I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever shared this public, but I, I'll say, I feel like I say it and I'm going to pray for people. I was in a place, and I don't have many of these things, but it did happen about two years ago. I was in a place, and I was speaking, and all of a sudden, these guys came in. They were of another religion in the world, and their religion demands that we remove people that believe in Christ. And they came in, and there's all these people, and they had scarves on and everything else. And they came in, and I go, oh, I know why you're here. And I was smiling. I go, you're here to, to hurt me. And they go, we're going to do that. And I go, before you go, can I, can I just, can I tell my wife, my, my little girl, can I tell them how much I love them and how much I care about them? I said, I'll, then you can do whatever you want. And I was really happy. I was really easy. And I said, I looked at my wife and told my daughter all the nice things that I wanted to share with them. And then I said, you know, I said, I understand your religion forces you to do what you're about to do. I get it. I'm not even mad at you. I said, the thing that I really care about is that you'd one day experience the love and the ecstasy and the peace that I know you're trying to get from the outside in that I experience every single day through one person, Jesus. Your Quran talks about him 21 times, only talks about the prophet Muhammad twice. It says Jesus heals, but it never says Muhammad or Allah does any miracle. It says Jesus answers prayer, but not Muhammad. I said, before you go, can you just bring me someone that's really, really hurting just so I could show you what love will do? Because I know that's what you're after is love. And they brought me a paralyzed girl. And I laid my hands on this little girl, and immediately all the paralysis left her body. She went from being like completely contorted out of a wheelchair to walking and standing, and everyone lifted their hands, and their, their hoods started coming off. The value and the dignity of a woman showed. All of a sudden, they put down their, their weapons, and I walked through, and they didn't touch me. They didn't do anything about me. Let me say this in this idea. Jesus can change everything. If we'll just believe, he'll restore the dignity of a man and a woman without having to do a big old movement called Me Too. He'll restore the value and the dignity of a man who's failed and shamed, and the media wants to punish a man for being a man. Jesus restores the dignity and honor because he made you with dignity and honor. You're just what he wanted to make. Don't let feelings and culture talk you out of living a, an untamed, undomesticated life. The Bible says, be fervent in spirit. Let's serve the Lord.
Someone's going to get their fire back. Come on, give a Lord a clap and a shout. I'm done speaking. How much time do I have? Do I have two minutes to pray for people for a minute? Who has pain in your, in your, in your, car, your tunnels of your arms? You get numbness in your hands and your arms from tunnels. Uh, I'll pray for you. Ma'am, first, can I pray for you? Yes, ma'am. Can I pray for you? Stand up, please. Do you mind coming down to the front? This isn't going to be like a Christian television show. I'm just going to pray for people because I really care about people. I'm not against it. Nowadays, there are actually good Christian TV out there. Yeah, give me one second. Wait, we'll just wait one second for search. Wait one second. I will in a minute. I'm going to do one at a time. This helps me. I definitely will, though. Give me one second. Give me one second. Go ahead, ma'am. Come on. I'd, I'll definitely pray for him. Hi, what's your name? Marie. Hi, Marie. Hey, everyone, uh, if you don't know Marie, now you do. Say everyone smile at Marie. That was a weak smile. Like half of you smiled. You guys stink, whatever. Okay, stretch your hands towards Marie because we're going to pray for her that her arms, her hands, where's the pain at? Where's the tunnels? In your fingers. How many know that Jesus heals people? Do anybody still believe he's alive? And the Bible says this same Jesus who went to heaven is going to come back the same way. It says this same Jesus. How many know Jesus is the same? He'll do the same thing. So thank you that he's here. How many feel his presence here? Stretch your hands towards Marie. Marie, just close your eyes. Jesus, I thank you for opening the tunnels of her wrist and her arms and her fingers. I pray the blood would begin to flow. All that numbness would dissolve. I thank you for your healing presence that would flow through her right now. I thank you, Father, for mending her body and renewing her strength. Thank you for her heart to love and serve and make a difference on this planet. Thank you for good days that are ahead of her. And I thank you for removing every bit of pain and the numbness. Command it to go. Feel warmth go through your body. Thank you, Lord, for touching her and bringing healing to her. In Jesus' name. Okay, I want you to grab my hand, squeeze it. Do you feel any difference? What do you feel? I don't feel no numbness. Was there numbness when you were sitting down? How long has that numbness been there? About a year. About one year? Squeeze it. Squeeze it as hard as you can. You're squeezing it very hard, by the way. Squeeze Pastor Phil's hand. Squeeze that. It's a strong, strong. Where's the pain? It was where? In my fingers and my arms. Where did the pain go? Is it not there, truthfully? So now watch. Let's not treat this like it's just whatever. We called upon one God. We call on one God. He gets all the credit. He'll use our personalities, okay? Some of us are more funny. Some of us are not. But the reality is he'll use you to do help anybody. Jesus loves people, and love will always do its best for people. Aren't you glad that Jesus healed Marie? Why don't we give Jesus a big clap? Come on, give him a big, come on, give, let him feel it. That's awesome. Your mom, yeah, what's her name? Is she here? Dorothy, of course. Okay, we'll pray for Dorothy real quick. We'll do what Jesus did. He said, if you believe in me, the things I do, you'll do also, huh? To see what Jesus saw, we got to walk like Jesus walked. Jesus sent a word to a nobleman's daughter a long ways away. They found her healed when they went back. So if Jesus could do it, you could do it. You don't have to go to a spiritual class to get, learn how to do it. You have his name. You have his word. Anybody believe that? Come on, this makes like an amazing adventure. An adventure of miracles. The kingdom of God is within you. You're not weak. You're powerful beyond measure. Lord, I thank you for touching Dorothy right now. Lord, I command all that pain to leave her body, all that infl inflammation, 
every bit of sickness. I pray your healing presence would flow into her body. We agree with your name, Lord, that your presence would touch Dorothy. She'd feel better in her top of her head, in her body, her organs rejuvenate her. Let her feel your life, your love, your presence go into her life today and make things better. I pray the angels of the Lord would go do the very thing that we spoke. And I thank you, God, your word does not return void, that by your stripes and wounds that cut your body, she is healed and made whole. Amen, amen. Come on, that's awesome. Isn't that cool? Free health care, better than the government program. Some of you are not sure. Did you, did you pay her money to get here? No. Sir, I want to pray for you. Yes, sir. Okay, you're all right. All right. Ma'am, oh, you said your carpal tunnel? Okay, can you, can you stand up? Wait, wait, miss, Maria, can you, I want you to pray for her. It'd be better that way. You, and I'm, I'll pray publicly, but I want you to put your hand on her hands. That way it's not a show, it's just people reaching out because we care about people. How many want to stretch your hands towards this nice lady? And you don't even need to pray, let, let, let Maria pray. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.